Oh shit, man, let's do our intro. Oh yeah. Welcome to Lifts and Riffs, everybody. I am Zach from Death Comes Lifting. This is Schuler from Death Drive 90.5, baby. And this is our podcast where we talk about heavy metal, heavy weights, and any fucking thing else in between that we want to talk about because it's our podcast and you're listening to it. And we can't thank you enough. Thank you very much. My guy. What's up, dog? How you doing, man? I'm great. Lovely to see you. Happy to be here and doing this. It's fucking living the dream. How are you? I'm good, man. It's a lovely Thursday afternoon. I got my run down. I got my work done for the day. I'm ready to shoot the shit. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. We're, we're one of the same. We rise early and get shit fucking done, man. I like, I love getting texts from you at like 6am. I'm like, this is yes. a fucker, dude. You know, I get up, I get up early and like that. I feel like specifically since we're trying to like do this podcast more often and have conversations with people more often, right. like that's kind of, that's kind of fucking us up because like, I, I feel like if, if, you know, a lot of, a lot of dudes want to have a chat at like 10 30, 11 o'clock at night. And I'm like, man, I'm fucking toast by then. But if you want to talk to me at like seven in the morning, when I got my coffee, when I'm, when I got my fucking, uh, my supplements coursing through my veins like that's the time that's the magic hour we should do a lifts and riffs early podcast if even if it's just me and you just to let people know the difference between us at 6 a.m and us at 6 p.m yeah we'll call it like uh lifts and riffs and coffee and caffeine and caffeine yes dude so why why, let's talk about who we're talking to today first of all We got a big name in here, man. Dude. We got a we got a we got a big dude. Been been listening to this guy's music for a very long time a, across multiple different projects. We've done some interacting on the uh, on the old social media. He's funny as fuck on top of everything else. So I'm really stoked to talk to him, man. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome, man. Um, I've been a fan since. They came on my radar. I guess we should say fucking jungle rot. Jungle rot. We're talking to talking to Jimmy Jimmy Jennings, James Jennings of Jungle Rot today. Also of Flesh Grind. Yes. Very important fact right there. Flesh Grind fucking rules. Yeah, I I figured that out. Um, They came, they were one of those bands that were like always, at least in my world, kind of under the radar, kind of cult status. Not a lot of people that in my circles even knew who like Jungle Rot was, but I always thought I was cool because I knew who Jungle Rot was and I thought Jungle Rot the whole time. They're, they're the fucking, it's the quintessential meat and potatoes band of death metal. Like I, yeah, I, you know, I love the band. I've been a fan of the band for a long time. I feel like I say that like with every fucking, I've been a fan of the band for a long time, but I, but I have though, man. I've been listening to these things for a long right now. time. Yeah. And one of the things that I've noticed, and especially, you know, over the years is sort of how the the sound of the band has has refined sort of based on who's been in it. And, uh, you know, Dave, Dave Matrice is the only surviving um, founding member, you know, he's been the playing guitar and singing in that band forever. But like, I guess it's been like, 
fuck almost 20 years ago that jimmy joined the band and then the jimmy plays bass and then jeff bubb joined the band on guitar and i think that the way that their their contributions have altered jungle rot sound has has been nothing but a positive like there's all this really cool thrash influence going on on top of these fucking meaty brutal riffs yeah. a lot of changes in the lyrical content based on those guys so i'm excited to talk to him and see sort of how he sees himself as part of that machine yeah, man, that's what I wanted to ask him, too, because I went back and been listening to him all week, and um, I slept on their new shit, man. I really did. The mistake. It's a huge mistake. It's better than their old stuff, if I have to say. <laughs> I mean... I, it's... it's They have... They, like, it's such a tight songwriting unit at this point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, all those songs are catchy as fuck. They get... every Like, the last couple of records have had killer guest spots on there with, like, dudes who really sort of stand out from their style. A lot of times with a death metal band or whatever, there'll be like a guest vocal on a track. And, you know, it, even if it's from somebody legendary, it doesn't necessarily stand out from the the band whose, whose album it is. It doesn't stand out from their style enough to really do a whole lot for it. But, you know, they had Max Cavalera two records ago, and you know that, like, that's my dude. Definitely. Um, and then on their most recent record, they had Schmier uh get on there and do some shrieking and, and it's just fucking like it, it stands out in a way that's really cool i just i love jungle rot i love what they do and i love that in a complex and complicated world that is filled with questions that is filled with uncertainty at the end of the day uh jungle rot is waiting for me at my home for me to come home and be dumb and enjoy it they are i mean even dumb might be kind of a stretch they're new their new shit yeah. seems like it's pretty fucking conscious it is, man. It's it's incredibly, and th this is one of the things that I definitely want to talk to to Jimmy about. But sure. they they are very socially, uh, socio politically aware, like you said, conscious, uh, sort of of what's what's going on in the world and going on in our country. And I think that that is uh, not a stance, not a stance that a lot of of dudes in death metal are necessarily willing to wear on their sleeve. Right. Um, which, you know, is not a complaint. It's just an observation. You know, if that's the kind of shit that you want to sing about or the kind of shit that you want to talk about in interviews, like more power to you. And if you don't, uh, maybe start thinking about it a little bit because we kind of, you know, you don't really get to escape that shit. But at the same time, I do understand if, if people don't necessarily want to put that part of themselves out there because it is a vulnerable part of who you are. Um, but yeah. they, you know, you go back to the super old jungle rot shit, like fucking skin the living or slaughter the week. And it's just literally songs about like cutting people's heads off and like, yeah. uh, fucking, what is it? Matt, something, about, something about cremation where it's one of those titles that's so absurd and hilarious. You can't really psychotic uh, cremation or something. Yeah. Psychotic cremation. Yeah. Like, what does that even mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? But I with, with the last couple of records, I think, um, really going back to what horrors await, you know, it was still really rooted in that background of sort of war and um, fighting and, and sort of songs about that. But as they've, as they've started to evolve, and I, I think really with terror regime is where they started to, mm -hmm. to just come right out and say, like, there's other stuff in the world going on. And it's, it's possible for this music to address those things. And we don't give a fuck if that bothers you or not. And I think that's tight. Right. And, and in a way that it also kind of sounds like cannibal Holocaust at the same time. So it's still cool. Yeah. It's not like it's just 
political, which you know, and this is definitely something we have to bring up with him. They're they have to be collecting material for the next record based on all the shit that's happened this year. I I am hoping that we get to twist him into talking with us about what what may or may not be an already recorded next record. Okay. Um, so we're gonna keep our fingers crossed and see how much he can say. We're gonna manipulate him. We're gonna use your your Jedi mind powers, your Morpheus mind powers to get him to talk about it. I know you can do it really hard. You can try all these death metal acts. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He should be banging on the door pretty soon, I would think. Should be. We'll get. Yeah, it is almost what the witching hour where he said he. Where is he? Where is he coming from? You know. I think he's like around Chicago. I think they're like. He's in central time zone, so it's it's an hour earlier for him. Well, I kind of assumed he was in, like, the jungle of Brazil or something like that. Yeah, no, wouldn't that be tight? That's another thing I want to ask is, like, can they bring back the uh, – used to be able to count on a jungle rock record to, like, open with, like, tribal drums. Yes. I want that again. I, I, I feel the need for that again. Do you think, like, Sepultura at this point just kind of owns that so people don't even try? It's possible. I don't know. Like, maybe Max Cavalera owns it because I think that Sepultura kind of veered away from a lot of the tribal stuff after he left. But um, the last Soulfly record started off with some, uh, with some, I don't know. I don't know the names of drums, man, but it was like (laughs) heavy bongos. We're going to call it. And you're like, yes, some shit's about to happen. And it does. It does. Soulfly rules. Soulfly does rule. We should get Apparently, them. Max Cavalier is working on a fucking new Soulfly record right now. Really? You, we, you know, we should aim high and try and get fucking Max Cavalera on this podcast. I don't see why he would say no, really. I don't either. Uh, I mean, like, we, you know, we're nice enough guys. I don't, I don't know if, like, I don't know what he's used to, like, what his threshold is for, like, number of listeners or whatever. But, like, I feel like it's a good thing to be part of a podcast where we, like, bring people on and just chat with them. You That's know what I mean? Saying. Like, yeah. I don't want to fucking... I feel like some of these older dudes and I've, uh, you know, I don't want to, I'm not going to name any names, but I have been in contact with people in the last few months prior to talking with them in one venue or another. And they have been very hesitant to get into a conversation without knowing exactly what that conversation is going to be about first. And I feel like a lot of that is probably like damage that they carry from bullshit press tactics in the past. You I know what that, I mean? Yeah. People it's a new yeah, trying to start drama and shit like that. And, like, we don't right. care about any of that. Yeah. I, I want them to, like, I want to talk to the dudes who and, and the women who have, like, given me music and given me art that I love and just sort of get to know them for a little bit and maybe not drill them on shit that they constantly talk about in interviews and impress. Yeah, I think that's that's starting to come across as like that's kind of the point of the of a podcast in general. Definitely our podcast, but there's there's nothing worse than having a podcast guest and then they just treat it like a fucking interview the whole time. Oh man, answer question. Wait, yeah. it's like this is really not 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 the point. I don't want to do this. You know, fortunately, fortunately, we haven't run into that yet. No, we haven't. I personally have though. I can tell. Oh you. yeah, yeah. And it, we have for like just starting like the podcast and doing like you know little ones with whoever and just trying yeah. to build build your voice and stuff. It's like an unnatural thing for even me to do, so it just makes it kind of, makes it kind of weird. But I totally love doing all doing this. I think we just get lucky with guests, honestly. We really have, and it was <laughs> going through sort of uh, 
uh, non-traditional means of getting in touch with people too. Like if you are in a death metal band and I like your band and you're out there and you're listening right now, like watch it because I'm going to pop up in your fucking inbox and just like ask you directly like, Oh, go through my publicist or PR or whatever. Nah, man, I'm going to track you down personally. and I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah. Is that also a thing that we like that we have to worry about or not even we have to worry about, but just like guests that we ask, do, do you think they like don't want to say yes because they have, we have to go through somebody professional? Well, I have a couple of different thoughts on that. And I, I think that right now we're more than likely to be able to get in touch with people um, just because a lot of them are bored and they, they don't have as much to do. And this is something that you and I have talked about. I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but we've definitely talked about it in text messages and stuff. Like I, I'm super interested in getting in touch with artists who are not currently promoting something brand new. Yeah. Um, because I feel like when they are caught up in that interview cycle, part of that big promo push that comes with releasing a new record or something like that, um, you know, especially with bigger acts, like, it, you know, Jungle Rot's a perfect example. I'm pretty sure that if these guys were dropping a new record like next week or something, and this was part of the big PR push for that, we'd have 15 minutes to talk to them. Uh, they'd probably be fucking burnt out by the time they got to us. Um, we would be asking a lot of the same questions probably, or they would be prepared at least for a lot of the same questions that, you know, a million other press outlets are asking. Yeah. And that to me, like, I like to read that kind of stuff, but it's not really the kind of conversation that I, that I necessarily want to have, you know what I mean? Cause it's like you said earlier, it's not much of a conversation. That's, that's when it really becomes business. And I think that that, you know, that's not an insult or anything. Like you can only, you can only be asked the same questions and sort of go through that process so many times uh, before it kind of starts to get a little bit boring, I would think. For and, sure. you know, with bigger bands like, you know, some of the people that we've talked to so far, Jungle Rock, Black Dahlia Murder, Incantation, when those dudes are doing promos, they're doing hours and hours and hours of interviews. And I know they got to be fucking tired. But this way, we don't have to try and, you know, get in touch with a PR person to try and fit into one of those little windows you yeah. don't have to worry about, you know, only keeping it to 15 minutes or whatever. And we don't have to like worry about, you know, straying off topic because if you just put out a new record or whatever, obviously you're trying to sell fucking units. You're trying to, well, you know, if this were normal times, you'd be trying to drum up support for live shows and that's what you'd want to be talking about. But I feel like because we don't have that pressure, we can really go anywhere we want to. I think we're doing a good job and let's see what Jungle Rot Jimmy has to say about the dough. crazy shit that we are bound to ask this motherfucker about. There he is. Nope. There we are. There he is. He is. What's up, man? How are you, sirs? We're Good, great. man. How are you? I'm, I'm all right, you know, bored. <laughs> I, can, I can imagine. I'm, so I'm Schuler. I'm the guy who you've been talking to on Instagram. It's good to meet For you. For sure. Dude. How are you, man? How you doing, buddy? Good. I'm doing real good. Joining me today is Zach with uh, Death Comes Lifting, also a big fan of your work. How are you, sir? Thank you. Thank you. So what have you been doing? I know you met, you mentioned your board. What, what have you been up to during the apocalypse? Besides talking to idiots like us on the Internet. I've done that a few times. Yeah. Um, it's been it's been kind of boring. I mean, you know, writing music, a lot of writing music. I've been Good. sitting in front of this computer writing a lot. Um, that's, what, that's what we're getting at. It's yeah. I mean, like we did a we did a, a jungle rock record in the last couple of months, which is nice. We usually take about two years, and it seemed like it panned out perfectly. Um, yeah, we, yeah. As soon as jungle rock record, we sure can. 
Yes. Okay. Um, so, you know, like March, the pandemic hit, we were just immediately like, what are we going to do? You know? So Dave's like, let's just write a record. And he just started sending me some riffs and we started putting them together. And then we got a record recorded in like four months, which is really fast for us. You had no shortage of source material for based on oh. all the fucking shit that's been going on this year. So I think personally, like the lyrics that I write are prophetic more so than like what I wrote for this album is probably what's going to happen in two years because everything I, everything <laughs> I wrote like five years ago, everything I wrote five years ago is happening now. <laughs> Fucking horrifying. It's pretty, it's pretty horrifying. Let's, so let's let, you know, while we talk about the new jungle route, let's sort of dive into that. I've, you know, one of the things that me and Zach were talking on before, um, before you joined us on the call is sort of how jungle route has evolved over the years. Um, and I feel like since you, specifically you and Jeff joined the band, um, a lot more of a sort of socio-political awareness has been taking place in the lyrics, you know? It's still very much death metal, but there's still, there's a lot of commentary on what's going on in the world. Can you talk sort of a little bit about that inspiration and talk a little bit about that shift? Was it a conscious thing or how how'd that turn out? It was definitely conscious for me. Um, when I joined the band first, I was just a fill-in. Yeah. Well, that's I was still in Flesh Grind at the time. And uh, David, you know, just needed somebody to play bass on a tour, and I went on tour. And it was just that. And then he needed somebody to play guitar on a tour, and I went on tour to play guitar. And then uh, I couldn't get into Canada, so they had to get another guitar player. And then the bass player quit, so they called me and asked me to join bass. Um, at that point, I started, like, looking at the lyrics, and I was just like, you know, I mean, they were – what they did in the first couple albums was fun. But I mean, as a grown man, I just didn't want to write about stuff like that. So, um, you know, like every once in a while, I mean, it was mostly me that brought in like the social political shit because I started writing, I took over writing all the lyrics when I joined the band. Um, every once in a while on, a, on an album, there's a song that's like just hack and slash, you know, like, there's always like one song that's like a serial killer song or just, you know, just something about being pissed and wanting to, you know, do people in. Yeah. Um, Very important. But I mean, for sure, me, I was just like, more or less, it was like, okay, how many, you know, even Dave said it too, like to me, he's like, how many times can we kill people? How many different ways can we kill people? It's just getting old. You know what I mean? Like we got to start, you know, maybe something a little bit more positive. Um, actually killing commands lyrics were, I was trying to write a little bit more positive and more like a hardcore kind of feel where it was more yeah. like, Instead of, you know, death, 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 it was more positive. But any anytime I start thinking about the positives, the negatives creep out. And it's, you can't not say about the negatives. I mean, that's that's what we're trying to, the messages we're trying to get across is don't keep your eyes closed to all this bullshit out here because oh, they don't give a fuck about us. <laughs> they don't. Do you, so do you, do you think of Kill on Command as kind of like a turning point record for the band? Well, it was because of uh, it was it was because it was the first one we did with Victory. Yeah. But as far as the turning point, I would say it was Warzone because that was when me and Jeff joined. Yeah, that was and, the first and, one you, you played on. And um, yeah, that's when I started like writing the lyrics and I started to put my twist in there, you know. And um, but yeah, me and Jeff, like when we joined the band, that's when it all solidified. You know what I mean? Dave had nothing but trouble with assholes from the beginning. And uh, and when we when me and Jeff joined, we kind of made it a little bit more serious, you know, for him. 
for Dave because you couldn't take anybody else seriously. You wouldn't ever want to go on tour or do anything because you never know when somebody's going to flake, you know. And it happens a lot, flakes. I mean, we've had it happen to us a few times with drummers we've hired and stuff. That's sort of the ongoing Spinal Tap drummer drama of uh, Jungle Rot. Yeah. It's just it's hard to bring a drummer in. The problem with the drummers is that you bring one in, he'd drum, and all of a sudden it was all about him. It, we, we, want a, we want a drummer that's in the band. Not, yeah. He's the drummer, and sometimes he drums with the band. You know what I mean? We want somebody who's like, when he posts online, he's posting with the band. He's proud of the band. You know what I mean? Not... You know, like somebody who's just in it to get their name up to, to climb the ladder so they can get in another band and then another band and then another band. You know what I mean? They get, and that gets old. And, it, you know, people use the name just to boost their own name. You know what I mean? And we're not having that anymore. And Spencer came along and he, he's been with us like four years filling in and helping out and doing, you know, the, the labor and the hard work. And he proved himself. So now he's in the band. Awesome, man. Is yeah. and do you, did he uh, did did that sort of unity contribute to the to the flow to the writing process for the new record? Do you think? I mean, yeah, but yes, but no. We've always written the same way. It's me, Jeff, and Dave through computers. Usually, you know, um, sure. we Jeff will write the the drums on a drum machine, uh, the basic beats, and then we'll you know we always just send them to the drummer and then let him do what he wants. You know. Um, as you know, like Jesse with the last album, here's the tracks, make up your own fills, you know, but we want the beats pretty yeah. much the same, you know, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, it's just Spencer stepped up to the plate, you know, and he, he's been nothing but a big, huge help. And that's why he is now the official drummer. drummer. Hopefully he sticks around for a while. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. Like I, you know, you guys, you guys have been sort of like a road hardened unit that you've been together so long. This core of the band, I think, is definitely like the defining aspect of Jungle Rot. You know, when you look at this band's legacy, it is like you said, you three guys. But I know that once the world gets back to normal, it'll be a whole lot easier to sort of get on the road and tour, get off the road and write as long as there's, you know, that sort of foundation and that that stable element to the band you know for for sure uh let's just hope that happens soon no <laughs> shit I, I can't I wait i can really imagine. Sick, of sitting, sick of sitting in the house yeah i i, I don't doubt it, it i want to go back to one of the things that you mentioned a little while ago um kill on command was the the band's first uh record for victory records are you Correct. guys still on victory mm. can you say if, I mean, it's Victory, okay if you can't say. Well, Victory is no longer an entity anymore. Victory Records was sold uh, to a larger company called Concord. Oh, okay. Um, which means they pretty much own all the past, the, the past releases and everything, all the rights, everything. So I guess we're going to get screwed on those records. But um, Fuck me. Uh, the, Tony from Victory and the staff have started a new label. And it would probably going to be rolling with those guys. Okay, just cool. see, just see what see what they could do for this record. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that really does kind of that was more what I was curious about to begin with. I I remember hearing that Jungle Rot and it was like you guys and Pathology both yeah. signed to uh, to Victory around the same time, and I remember thinking like, what? Yeah. Me very, too. <laughs> very, very, you know, like I definitely, I bought some fucking classic hardcore records on Victory back Me in the too. day, man. 
But around that time, what was it like 2011, 2010, something like that? Right. Um, I just I remember being super surprised by that and, and not necessarily like thinking it was a bad thing, but just being like, damn, is victory trying to get into the death metal game or what? And, you know, Pathology was there for a couple of records, but you guys were there for a long fucking time. And it looks like you're still satisfied with that team. Can you can you talk a little bit about sort of being the the sort what I would imagine is the sore thumb band on that label and, and sort of how that compares with past label experience? Uh, the coolest thing about being the sore thumb is you stick out. Um, you know, like they got all these bands and we stick out. We totally stick out. We don't sound like any other band on Victory. Um, the staff is super cool. Uh, they've done nothing but be accommodating to us and, and do everything they possibly can to help us out. Um, we have problems with the Facebook. They're right on top of it. They're calling Facebook, you know. Um, uh, it, the staff is amazing. I think that's mostly the reason why we want to stick with the staff. Um, it's not necessarily has to do with Tony or anything. Tony's a good guy and he really loves the band and he's willing to drop money, but the staff is just behind us so much and we've formed such a relationship with the staff, you know what I mean? As much as bullshit as that label seems to get you know what i mean They're, they don't run their their business model any different than any other label it's just that tony is more outspoken and gets more flack for it you know what i mean like all these bands are trying to sue him because they they want out of their contracts well you signed a contract what do you want you know what i mean yeah it, it just doesn't make any sense you know that label runs no differently than any other label and I just don't understand why they get so much flag. I think it's just most because Tony is such an outspoken person. And he is a wild guy, man. He's a wild, wild dude. <laughs> <laughs> you want to you elaborate a little bit or can you? Yeah, you know, just don't catch him at a bar late night one night because you'll probably end up in a wrestling match or something, you know. <laughs> I've, I've definitely run into him at late night at a bar and he had a few too many and we had a lot of fun. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Well, man, can you uh, can you talk about the uh, writing process of this new record for uh, I guess you personally for the lyrics? How did it differ from the previous, and how how did you get inspiration from all the all the madness going on and all that? Um, as far as differences, there's not much difference to the way we've been doing it for the past five albums. Um, you know, Dave writes a couple. You know, he'll record a couple like riffs. He'll write a riff, or write, you know, a couple riffs and. Him and Jeff will sit down, iron it out, uh, see what goes with what, put some drums to it, send it to me, and I'll put the lyric. I'll write some lyrics on it. Um, as far as inspiration, man, there's nothing but. Right. <laughs> um, this there's definitely a lot of social political topic on this album. Um, we'll see what comes to pass in a couple of years because, like I said, usually I'm ahead of the game. Like order shall prevail. Those lyrics are so prophetic to what's happening right now. Um, By that theory, I, this was probably the most brutal lyrically yet. Then we'll see. I got there's like you know there's a song on there. Uh, you know I still like other things besides politics. I wrote a song about the movie The City of the Living Dead. Awesome. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Um, I just you know I watched the movie and just got inspired and started writing lyrics. You know and. Yeah, uh, it, not, not everything is, is public. like I said, I try to keep a little bit of like there's still a little bit of black humor to the band, you know. Like, we, sure. we don't take it, we don't take ourselves that seriously, you know. And, For sure, and, 
we were talking about that before you got on us, but that's what I like about New Jungle Rod is it is sociopolitical and conscious, but it's it's still cannibal holocausty too. You know, I, you can't lose that. That those images in that movie will always be like to me ingrained with Jungle Rod, you know, because that's what happens in the jungle, man. You know, yeah. it's just, I mean, it's just it, it'll eat you up, it'll eat you alive, you know. What we were talking about like there's uh there's been a lack of fucking tribal intros on jungle rot records lately it would be cool to see that shit come i'm just fucking with you man i don't know uh, no 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 you're absolutely right um you know i guess the guys don't like to dick around too much with stuff like that they just want to write the, the songs uh i probably have to make an intro or something <laughs> and see if they'll like it um but I mean, and you can you can tell that there's a lot of focus on riffs in the in the band. You know what I yes. mean? Like there's not there's not a whole lot of there's not a whole lot of atmospherics going on. There's not a whole lot, like you said, intros or interludes or anything like that. Like it's very much a, a, a riff efficient band, and I think that that is something. You know, I, I never like to say, oh, that's something that we don't see in death metal anymore. You know, because we we do. You know, you do see right. it with a lot of a lot of bands, but at the same time the fact that you guys have been doing it together as long as you have, like you really can feel that in the tightness of the songs. And I think that's part of what makes them so memorable. It's um, a def definitely riff intensive. And that, that's the idea. It's just supposed to be yeah. riff after riff after riff. There's piled on and you just can't help but bang your head. You know what I mean? There's no atmosphere. There's no part for you to go get a beer at the bar. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's constant, you know, and that's Which is fun. Yeah. And it's fun. It is fun. It's, it's stupid. It's, it's easy. It's not like it's hard. It's easy. It's fun. And it's easy for everybody to get into. And that's why I think a lot of people are drawn to Jungle Rock because it's easy to get into. You know, it's not like you listen to it and it's all of a sudden blast beat, blast beat, 16 notes, 30 second notes, blah, 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 blah. You don't know where the hell you're at. As soon as you listen to Jungle Rock, you kind of, within the first couple of bars, you're banging your head to it like yes. this. You know what I mean? And you can't help it. You're not trying to find the beat. Oh, where's the beat? I can't find the beat. Oh, shit, yeah. you know. Um, as, so, as far as the tribalism goes, though, I, I, I got maybe just a little little trick for you. Um, the new album artwork, you'll like it. <laughs> I'm excited. Dude, I can't wait, man. I, so I love fucking Jungle Rot artwork, and I, I have, especially since, you know, uh, Kill on Command, I think, is when I really started being like, God damn, this is awesome. The last cover for the fucking self-titled yeah. record, that shit was fucking awesome. Like, that's... I, I would get that on a banner and hang it in my office. Like that to For me sure. is some of the coolest fucking artwork that I've ever seen on a record. And I, I don't think we've talked about that with anybody on this podcast before, yeah. but like the visual aspect of a band is super important to me because I'm, I'm older sure. and a lot of the, you know, everything that I own is something that I buy a physical copy of. And so I spend a lot of time like looking at fucking CD art and shit like that. And this, too. This uh, knowing that there's like a connection to the lyrics and knowing that you guys really sort of put a lot of thought into it. And it seems like you work closely with whoever does the visual design on those things, too, to sort of get an idea of, of where you want it to go. All that stuff comes off in a way that I think really joins it all together. And, and I love that. You, I agree. Um, I do. I talked to I, I can't pronounce his name 100 percent. Gila Gila or something, whoever. He's from uh, Turkey, Hungary. Mm -hmm. He does the, he does all our art. He also you know does like accept destruction. He does a lot of bands, you know, and he's really good at what he does, man. He really nailed that last cover, man. Boy, did yes. he nail it! Because we wanted to, we just wanted an album to be called Jungle Rot. So how do you 
how do you get that across in a visual? You know what I mean? Yeah, the term yeah. jungle in a visual, and he fucking nailed it, man. Like there's there it is, a corpse rotting in the jungle, you know, in the stream, you know, yeah. and nailed it, you know. And it just it's, it's perfect. It's a perfect. It's a perfect album cover. I was blown away when I see it. This next one's gonna be awesome too. It's a little bit different style, and um, I think everybody's gonna enjoy it. I'm excited, man. I, I can't wait to see it. And speaking of like the, the, the physical presentation and the album artwork, going back to your days in Flesh Grind, um, that I feel like was also a pretty big aspect of, of what that, I don't know if you tailored the art to the songs quite the same way that you did in Jungle Rot, but like, especially the, the Giger influence on the, the, uh, the HR Giger influence on the, the first record there, uh, that it's very memorable for me. Um, Tell us a little bit about sort of your time. I mean, if you if you want to talk a little bit about your time in that band, I feel like Flesh Grind is a band that is definitely a legacy act that a lot more younger people who maybe not aren't aware of them but are but are starting to get into brutal death metal. I feel like it's a super catchy, super important three album run, and I would love to hear you just tell us a little bit about that time. I mean, those were good times. I was twenty two when I joined that band. I'm yeah. forty five now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, um, I was, you know, I dicked around on a couple of bands and I ran into the Flesh Grind guys. I, you know, we all knew each other from the scene, you know, and they're like, oh, we need a bass player. I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I can try, you know. I, I was really, really that kind of guy who's like, fuck yeah, I got it, bro, don't worry. I was always like, yeah, you know, I'll give it a <laughs> shot. I'll give it a shot, you know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And it worked out. And it, it's ironic because when I joined the band, we also, they also were getting a drummer at the time. His name was Alan. And he actually played on uh, the second album. And um, the funniest thing is that we all used to use America Online. I'm sure you remember this. Oh, yes, I do. And, and we all used to use this chat room called Unholy Metal, which was, I mean, I've still got friends from 25 years ago from that chat, chat room. Um, so me and Steve from Flesh Grind used to fucking dick around. There was a kid in there that I hated. His name was fucking Alan. And he was just the biggest troll. He's just a scumbag. I wanted to kill him. Turns out that's the drummer. <laughs> so I go to the gym spot and there's this kid and I'm just, I'm looking at him. I just want to fucking knock him the fuck out, man. And <laughs> I'm just controlling myself and just controlled myself. And I'm just like, okay, okay, okay. And it, it came together and, you know, I just started to see Alan for what he was. He was just a troll. He wasn't trying to be, you know, you know, he wasn't trying to pick a fight. He was just trying to get a rise out of people. You know what I mean? <laughs> And, uh, you know, it came together well. You know, Flesh Grind times were fun, man. We did some great tours. This was my first time in Europe. Um, we did some awesome tours, man. The records were great. We met so many cool people. I mean, I, I met Jungle Rod, you know, from Flesh Grind. So, um, yeah. uh, you know, we used to play together all the time. You know, with Jungle Rod, Flesh Grind, uh, all my bands used to at one time play all together. <laughs> to, I mean. Playing Devil's Triple Duty. Yeah, I've actually done that before. Triple Duty before. Um but you know, those were good times, man. Uh, I'm being older now, like I said, I look back at like some of the lyrical content. I'm like, oh god, it's a little cringy. Yeah. But um, I understand. I understand what the point was. It was to shock. And yeah, I, like I wrote a couple songs on that last album that I cringe at. You know what I mean? And it's like, but I know why we did it. We did it to try to shock. And at the time, brutal death metal isn't as prevalent as it is now. And you had to do something to get everybody to notice you. You know what I mean? Yeah. You had you had to be either faster, sicker, more vile, more disgusting. You know, and 
I don't really care about that now. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just want to make music. But back then it was, you know, it was fun. You know, you joined a band called Flash Grind. Well, there's a there's a bar that said you got we got you know go to that bar. We got to write some lyrics and make people's stomachs turn. You know, and yeah. I did, I did, and now they make my stomach turn. <laughs> yeah, and I, I well, and I think that that's one of the interesting things to sort of look at for for people who've been playing and writing and listening to this music for you know all of their adult lives, going back to when they were young enough that they had maybe opinions or, or uh, artistic ways of expressing themselves that they don't necessarily agree with now. I, I think it's important to sort of root the urge to do that, like you said, in, in the need to shock and in the need to sort of push this music that by definition is supposed to be about extremity, right? Sure. Um, to, to, to take that shit someplace scary and someplace disturbing. And I think that for a lot of us when we were younger, a lot of the way that that manifests is in stuff that kind of gets uncomfortable for us as we get older. And I think that, you know, some of the stuff with, with death metal, when you're in your teens or whatever that you look at when you get older and you're like, man, this is like some fucking misogynist shit that sort of makes me feel really gross now. Or yeah. uh, this, there's exploitative aspects to a lot of the lyrics that, you know, it, it, it's, 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 it's so important, I think, to try and look not necessarily only at what the songs are about but also look at sort of what the urge to create them was like because when sure. you're young you know a lot of times you don't have the imagination to 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 take to find that extremity in something other than like a well-worn topic in horror like violence or, or something like that you know what i mean right right you're, you're absolutely right um especially when you're a kid and it's, you know, it's new and you're, you're trying to make a name for yourself and you're doing anything you can to get noticed. And um, at that time, you know, writing the most vile lyrics was very, very commonplace to try to, we were all trying to outgross each other. Basically we're all trying to make each other cringe even a little bit more. You know what I mean? And it was fun. It was fun because when you're a kid, you're a little bit more of a troll, but then you have kids or in my case, grandkids now. And then, you're just like what? What was I writing about? But you know, you, I do, I do realize that I was telling a story. I wasn't, I wasn't promoting anything, and I wasn't saying it's me. Um, I was telling a story, and there's these horrors do happen in the real world. We don't want to think about them, you know. Like the song "Duct Taped and Rape" is about child molestation. You know, what I mean, this happens. We know this happens. You know, did I need to write a song about it for anybody to know what happens? No. But did it shock people? Fuck yes. And that was yeah. the point at the time. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it's 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 horrifying, and I it's think very there horrifying. Is, there's something to be said about how that sort of manifests itself in art that people are trying to create that's designed to make people uncomfortable. Right, it's designed um, to make you uncomfortable. You're right. It's yeah, not supposed to sure. be comfortable when you listen to this music. Um, for sure, and it's one supposed of, it's supposed to open your eyes and your brain to other ideas you might not know or things that are happening in the world you might not be aware of. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, for sure. And it's it's it. One of the things that's interesting to me as as I've gotten older and sort of my status has changed regarding the the opinions that I have and sort of the way that I expressed myself when I was younger versus the way that I see those things now. The the benefit of hindsight has been very interesting for me, and it plays a whole lot into the way that I enjoy this kind of music now in my in my late thirties. You know. Um, and so that kind of puts us on the topic of, of, of getting older um, and how that kind of changes your relationship with this kind of music, but also with the, re- exactly, also with the rest of your life and with the world. 
Um, specifically with the COVID-19 pandemic, with everybody having been stuck at home, a lot of us have sort of had to uh, reassess the way that we take care of ourselves. You know, there's been sort of a focus on wellness that I think a lot of people have avoided a lot before they were stuck at home by themselves or stuck at home with their families without being able to leave or whatever. How how's that sort of affected you? Like, has have things changed for you? Have you sort of um, come to terms with aspects of age throughout this being stuck at home or whatever? And I, I say this not necessarily, you know, no, to it. single you out, because this has no, very much been a part of this has been part of my experience over the last year, too, you know? And I'm in the health and wellness business, so we always ask kind of questions related to this as well. And if uh, yeah. one needs anything, you know, we're here for you. Right on. Um, it's the the pandemic is rough on the brain, more so, I think. Um, oh, yeah. It brings the morale down, you know what I mean? Like, even if you were like a hardcore fitness enthusiast, something like this could probably bring your morale down and probably you know, make you exercise less, you know what I mean? Or it could, it could go the other way too. Like some people, like some people can get like, it, it just depends on the person. It depends on the person's mindset at the time. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. there's, there's so many variables. Um, for me personally, man, I, I, at first it was like, you know, like last year in January, we were just talking about this, Schuler, about keto. Um, yeah. Me and the old lady were trying to start keto. You know, it's not, you know, neither one of us is like disgusting, but of course we, I could definitely stand. And as I get older, the weight's just not coming off like I used to. And I'm sure we all know that, you know, I could just walk to the store and burn 30 pounds and now it's, it's nothing. And well, then, it slows down, man. Well, it definitely slows down, but you know, we started that last year in January and then March hit the pandemic and we were doing so good. I was down like 20 pounds. And then when the pandemic hit, the yeah. morale just went right out the shitter and we just started eating like crap again. You know what I mean? And, um, I, you know, it's, it's, I, I completely understand where you're coming with the, with the, uh, with the pandemic and trying to maybe think about your wellness. I did try to think about my wellness and I failed at the time. Um, I spent the last eight months pretty much writing music and playing video games and smoking weed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which is oh, not necessarily like, wrong with that. That's that's no. wellness, though. You know it what I is. mean? Like, but I'm, you know, it's depressing too. You know, because I, I'd like to get out. I'd like to go to a concert. I haven't played a show in over a year. Um, yeah. It's been since I was 17 years old that I haven't played more than 40 shows in a year. I mean, it's insane. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just started keto again. Let's talk about that. How you, see how, how, you, goes. how you feeling? We so yeah, we uh, I, I mentioned it from time to time on the podcast that I'm that I'm keto. Uh, but I one of the things that I sort of that put me off of it when I was very first getting on it is how like cult like a lot of fucking keto people are. And yeah, like I'm, so I try not to I try not to be like that about it, no. but you are the first guest who we've had who who has been keto, and so it would be fun. Uh, I think for us to chat about that a little bit, if you don't mind, like how's how's it going right now, man? I don't know. <laughs> you in the, are you I, in the rut? I don't know. I mean, uh, the P strips say I'm in ketosis. I hope I am. Uh, I just I just got to get rid of some of the spare tire. I'm starting to do uh, yoga. Nice. I, I started that this year. Uh, DDP Great. yoga. Yes, that's uh, the Zach's on a big yoga push right now. Yeah, man. I, We're getting everybody to do yoga. It's it's the best for mental health and it, everything, man. It is good. I mean, in a, in a couple of weeks I've been doing it, I feel better. 
great. Just brain wise, like muscle wise, like I don't hurt as much when I wake up in the morning. And I'm like I said, I'm 45. I have two herniated discs in my lower back, which yeah. are bad. I have the broken ankle, which I still not fixed. So I can't really? do everything. Oh, it's still not fixed. I have How long ago was that? Uh, I got broke in June of 2018. God damn. Um, it's stabilized, but it's not fixed. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. stabilized. I can walk on it, but I can't bend my ankle. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, dude. So I kind of have a little hitch in my giddy up, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm trying. I'm trying to do the yoga, and I, I can't get in all these positions because of the leg. You know, I can't bend the ankle a certain way. But I'm doing everything I can to get as yeah. close to it. And I mean, it's so funny. After 45 minutes of yoga, I'm sweating like I fucking ran a mile, and it's insanity. And I'm like, wow, this really hard. does work. It really does work. So much yeah, better man. your joints and your mobility and everything too, versus just going and pounding the pavement or hitting the weights or whatever. Like it serves you so much better, man. So I'm so glad to hear you're doing that. I'm, I thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, lifting the weights, all I ever did was hurt myself every time. Um, I just, I needed something. I got to do something to get myself. Like, I don't want to, I definitely don't want to be 55 in a wheelchair, fucking obese, you know, can't walk. Well, you have um, the mindset, man. You, you have the work ethic, even going back to what you said before, it's been since you were 17, that you haven't played 30, 40 shows a year and you're you know, in your forties and a grandpa and still playing in jungle rock. Like that fucking shit's inspiring as fuck to me, dude. I mean, I, I, I it's, I always thought like when I was in my twenties that somebody that was 45 was, Oh my God, they're fucking ancient, man. And here I am, <laughs> here I am. And I'm just like, Oh my God, I, I still feel like a dumb kid. I don't feel That's any different fact. other, other than my physical, you know, pain and stuff like that, you know, that just comes with getting old. But I mean, it's like, where did all that time go too, man? Holy shit. Yeah. 20 years was like that, man. And sure. I mean, it seems like it was just yesterday, 20 years ago. I mean, I was watching meet the, uh, the parents. Remember meet the parents with the Fockers. Sure. Yeah. Holy <laughs> shit. That movie came out in 2000. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Like I, I, it, I seems have, like it, was, it seems like it was four years ago. <laughs> I have, like, I do takes like that all the time where I'm like, wait a second. Uh, like I'll be specifically because I'm, I'm surrounded by like 18 and 19 year olds. Cause I, sure. I, I teach at a university and yeah, I'll, my the, the, the thing that makes it like the thing that makes you realize just how fucking much time has passed is when like, even the most basic pop culture references, like they just have no bearing whatsoever. Wow. You know what I mean? It's well, insanity. Even go, yeah. I was trying to think the last time I uh, I saw Jungle Rot before this podcast. I was like, I saw them on Mayhem Fest. That had to be like three years ago. That was like six, six years. Was it like six or seven fucking years ago at this point? 2015. Yeah, man. That doesn't seem like that long ago. But I have to say, yeah. you crushed, cru crushed everybody that year. Thank you. I appreciate that. That was a good tour. And we did get that compliment a lot and i'm glad to hear that because i love when i hear that because we know something obviously everybody else doesn't <laughs> oh yeah for sure man for sure i i even talking we were talking before this i was always like an old school death metal fan even as, as a young kid so i always loved jungle rot and i really rallied to get there early and go see go see jungle rot and uh we were so we were so glad we did but i found all the other bands to be quite disappointing that year you guys were the sore thumb band that fucking destroyed <laughs> held it down you even made slayer look kind of bad i have to say yeah i mean and i guess that's why slayer carrie king had to talk shit about us Did he? during that tour oh yeah he had something to yeah, say about the, the shitty opening bands kinda, he was talking about 
there was some kind of, I remember there being some kind of shit in the news about Slayer not being happy with the shows or the turnout or whatever. And that kind of, that was a bummer, man. I hated to hear that because I. He went and tried to blame, he went and tried to blame the opening bands is basically, all these turnouts are shit because of the shitty opening bands. And we were like, dude, our stage is fucking packed every day, man. I don't know what you're talking about. But, well, and it sucks because like there's no way that you guys, you know, I I'm not, I don't know about you specifically, but I know Dave at least is a huge fucking Slayer fan. You know, me too. So, Slayer's like, been Slayer's been a huge influence on this band, and it sucked to hear that. It really did. It yeah. was a, it was really depressing and heartbreaking. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah like we, yeah. All, we all came from the same area. Kerry King was in the exact same spot me and Dave were at. You know what I mean? At one time in his life. Yeah. You know what I mean? And. If you don't recognize that, then you're a fucking asshole. That's as simple as that. You know what I mean? You're no yes. better because you're no better because you you succeeded a little bit better than we did. You know, you're still gonna die and you still sit down to shit like the rest of us. Yeah. I mean, it's just insanity when people act like I just I never get over to people that act like with egos and rock stars. Like you are nothing but a fucking piece of shit, man. You're you're nobody special, you know. And, and these guys with their big heads, man. I just, I can't take it, man. I can't Especially take it. Especially in metal, you know. It's not yeah. Like two or some shit. Well, and it's one of the things that I think is is cooler about, you know, not being on a big package like that, right, is the ability to have more camaraderie with the other bands. Like, yeah. if, be, if I were a fucking 22-year-old in a new band and I got to go out on the road with Jungle Rot, like, if you guys treated me cool, like that would fucking that would only make me want to make more music and stay in the scene, you know. Right, and we would treat you cool, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're we're fun, we're fun. We're, we always have a good time with the other bands. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, I yeah, I just I'll never get the ego thing, man. Like it's that I think that's just what the problem with the human human beings and Amer- and and Americans is just the ego. You know, everybody's yeah. always trying to be better than somebody fucking else. And your parents are always instilling you at a young age. You got to be better. Be better than what? <laughs> be better yeah. than what? You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're, we all die. We're, nobody's going nobody's gonna to win this race. So be better than what? <laughs> and that, and that, that, once again, is another thing that I think a lot of us are sort of having to come to grips with, sort of right. looking internally with, uh, with having been cooped up for the last year. Um, this whole notion that maybe we like in a way we're all in it together, but at the same time, it it feels like for some of us we're we're not, you know, we're not in, we're not in this together, yeah. not at all. Look at yeah, look, yeah. Just scroll through Instagram. Everybody's out there partying and do what they want. Ain't nobody wearing no fucking mask. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it's just so funny. All the people I see bitching the most about fucking oh, you don't care about other humans. Two days later, there's a post of them in a crowded ass bar, and it's like you know what? Go fuck yourself. You know what I mean? I haven't gone anywhere, yeah. anywhere, Same. and I've been doing everything that I can. And if I do leave the house, it's with a mask and everything, so nobody can tell me I'm not doing my part. But fuck this pandemic. Enough is enough. It's yeah, been a year. Yeah, it's been a year. It's done. It's over with. Okay. I'm sorry, grandmas are dying, but it's enough is enough, man. The light world has the world has to go back. It has to go back to living. You know what I mean? Or else we're going to continue to downward spiral. <laughs> yeah. And, well, and it's it's exhausting, you know. And I, I think that so so much of it has to do with the fact that you've got people who aren't just just are not willing to change <laughs> their lives, change their routines or whatever. And and what we've seen, sort of, when I say we're not all in it together, one of the things that's been interesting, especially through this podcast, which kind of came about because of the pandemic. Uh, so many differences that we've seen regionally across the country. 
Um, how has it been where you are specifically? Like you talk about Instagram and seeing people sort of doing the whole performative thing on social media, like in your neighborhood, in your city, like how, what, what have you noticed? What's it been like? Oh, well, I am about five minutes north of Chicago. I live in a town yeah, called yeah. Dis- Dis- Displains. Um, Displains was famous for John Wayne Gacy. Um, Good dude. Out here, yeah, it's it's like nothing changed. The bars are all open. Everybody's in them. There's in the suburbs. There's no mass. Everybody's going to bars. Uh, they're all defying orders. And I, I mean, I, it's uh, it's such a fucking dilemma because I do care about people's lives, but I also care about the people's lives that are not making any money to feed their fucking kids too. You know what I mean? Yep. And you, ha- I mean, it, this is it's a free world. We we've never stopped the fucking world for a fucking of sickness before why now you know what i mean it's just so fucking weird like um (laughs) only in america only in america do we quarantine the healthy we don't quarantine the sick it just doesn't make sense to me something is not right yeah and i i think when you when you say something is not right like i don't know you know i'm not an infectious disease specialist and i don't necessarily i don't necessarily know sort of what's best and what's not regarding who to quarantine and who not to quarantine but one of the things that i think this really has brought to the forefront is just how fucking unprepared we are for something like this you know what i mean like it is it is but how how prepared can you be for something that's been around since before the dinosaurs yeah i mean it's I mean, vir- vir- viruses and bacteria have been on this planet since oh, yeah, okay, day okay. one. Day like, one. Yeah. Was- <laughs> Before the dinosaurs. So yes. you, you, we can't do anything about it. You can't do anything about it. You just have to go on. <laughs> yeah. You just have to go on. I mean, what, yeah. what, 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 what are we going to do about it? Lock everybody up and make everybody dependent on the government to, to, to send checks to you? Uh, make sure Amazon delivers your groceries. Never leave your house. Is that? I mean, we can't live like that. We cannot I, live like that. Sure. And I, <laughs> I and I don't think you know. I I don't think that I don't think that that's necessarily the solution. I don't think that that's the solution at all. Right. right. But it is. It is just. It's so wild how like we don't. Nobody. We're just not. Like you said, it, it's it's difficult to be prepared for something like a virus in a, yeah. you know, in a specific way regarding like day to day shit. But it just feels like in a in a in a country and in a world where in so many other aspects of our lives we enjoy security. That, well, in our country at least, um, to see something like this come along and just wreck the whole fucking show has just been very surprising for me. You know. And you're right, like nobody, we don't want to be stuck at home, you know what I mean? And we don't want to have to subsist based on what the government will and won't give us, because at this point they've decided they, they don't necessarily have to give us shit, you know what we I mean? We, we're worth $2,000 a year, apparently, and we still haven't even got that, I mean. Yeah, I know, <laughs> like that, that to me is revealing some fucking glaring inconsistencies in the way that we're supposed to understand this country and sort of the politics that govern it and the people who we've put in in charge and this you really you talk about how prophetic order should order shall prevail was like we're living it right now and it's fucking dystopian you know we are have you read those lyrics man oh my god they they they're they're five years in ahead of their time and it's insane i i don't know man it's just i i don't trust the guy i don't trust trump i don't trust Biden. I don't trust them all, any of them. They're all the government is ri- it's rigged against us. We uh, look at the shit that's going on with Robin Hood right now. 
with the with the game stock with the GameStop stock. So all of a sudden, an app called Robinhood, which is about robbing from the rich and taking from the poor, shuts it down so you can't buy these stocks because you're robbing from the rich. Yeah, I know. Oh, I know. Th- th- this is how fucked up our country is. You know, this is how fucked up the world is. It's insanity. It is, it's like, and I, you know, I don't, I don't understand the stock market. I, I had to get my wife uh, to explain some of this stuff to me the other day, and like, I, I still like am, am wound up about how uneven this playing field seems to be when you know you're raised to believe that there's this thing called the American dream that anybody can sort of buy into. And the older you get, the more you're like, well, no, that's not the fucking case at all. And of course, this is not a new idea. You know, everybody, I think, hits a certain point in their lives where they realize, like, I'm, I'm part of a system that doesn't value me as much as maybe I value it. But I do think what's different about right now is maybe it's social media. Maybe it's the fact that we are all stuck at home and we don't have anything else to do. Um, but I think that this is coming up, becoming a part of the public consciousness in a way that it hasn't before in the history of this country. And that makes me hope, hope, you know, that, uh, you know, nothing like in the next couple of years, I don't expect shit to change. But no. what I'm hoping for is that right now, kids who are 15, 16 years old are looking at this shit and being like, man, this is a really fucked up place that maybe, maybe in 15 years when we're calling the shots, we can start to fix. Um, but between now and then who fucking knows man it ain't gonna happen in my lifetime i can guarantee you that um i don't feel like it's gonna happen in my either and that's sad you know what sucks too is that you know like i'm a big proponent of keeping like old senile farts out of office enough is enough with these old fucking farts that somebody who was born in 1940 should not be telling me how to live my life and it's not (laughs) a lie you know what i mean the 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 whole world's changed the country's changed everything's changed so why why doesn't that change you know what i mean it's still old rich fucks in office and now i'm all about getting these young progressive people but no we're we're, we're electing motherfuckers like lauren bobert who, who wants to bring a gun to fucking you know these idiots these young women who should be smart as fuck are stupid as fuck and then how about the other one, the Marjorie chick that thinks that the fucking wildfires were started from a laser from space. <laughs> People actually elected this dumb bitch. <laughs> so that, that, means, like, that, means, that means that there's people out there that are dumber than that dumb bitch. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's crazy because there is, we do sort of want to progress, right? Yes, I, well, we do. Progressives, liberals want to progress. Conservatives do not want to progress. Yeah, and that, well, and that's that's the thing. Like a lot of institutions, right? Like courts and election processes and things like that are sort of inherently rooted in conservatism. In that they run on a system that you're talking about. Somebody from 19 who born in 1940 shouldn't be president right now. We're talking about some shit that was designed hundreds of years ago. Oh yeah, know? for sure, for and, sure. We, we talk about sort of the sanctity of the ideas behind that, but we've got to get to the point where we can realize that technology and biology and all these other things that we learn about that, that anybody can look at and say, well, of course, you know, technology is different now than it was in 1940. Ideas change too. And oh, yeah. the way the, the, the ideas and sort of the principles that underlie the, the shit that this country was founded on, a lot of those things, it's not that they're bad, it's just that they they don't the way that they're written down and the way that they're preserved in institutions is not what the world needs right now. You right. Know? But people are too attached to that structure to know how to change it. And so what you get is you get, you know, 
young people who on one side of the political spectrum or the other are so hell-bent on inciting change that it totally eclipses any likelihood of that actually happening. Right. Whether you've got somebody on the left who is super hardcore socialist, which I, you know, I think that if more people paid attention to what that word actually means, they would probably have a little bit softer. They, they wouldn't be as scared of it. I agree. But, but at the same time, when you're so far to one side or another, whether you're talking about, you know, the socialism stuff that's going to scare people in small towns all the way over to the right, where you have elected politicians who refuse to do their job unless they can be armed while they do it. Like that's almost sort of the reality TV, like personality culture thing that's infiltrated, even the way that we understand changing our government. And I don't know what to do about that. Like that. It's, I don't it's, think anybody does. I don't think anybody does. And that's, that's why, I don't think there is a solution. And that's why I think the tribalism will always stay. As tribalism has been in our blood since every animal was created, there's always had a natural enemy. You know what I mean? And fighting and tribalism, infighting is always going to be there. I just don't ever see it going away. I mean, because there's always going to be somebody who looks at themselves as better than somebody who's different. And then it's never going to go away. It's, it, goes, it goes back to sports teams. It goes to the military. Everybody... Everybody, that tribalism, you know what I mean? And I, I, I can't even watch sports anymore because the tribalism behind it just irks the fuck out of me, man. These idiots, it, it doesn't, I don't care if their favorite quarterback raped eight kids, man. They still support them, motherfucker. The same with Trumpers, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the tribalism is just, they don't, the, with the facts proven right in front of them, they still, they still completely look the other way, a complete cognitive dissonance about it. And it's like, so at that point, you're not using your brain, you're using your instinct, you're being a tribalist and not an intelligent thinker, you know what I mean? Well, and I, I think that, that that is very much linked to the way that people are responding to the pandemic, right? You say, you say that we can't stay cooped up like this forever and we can't depend upon the government to take care of us or whatever, and even if they would, you wouldn't necessarily want to, right? Well, um, a, lot of, a lot of people who when you use the term cognitive dissonance, like that's the first thing I think of, like they expect this shit to get better, but they don't think anything's going to immediately change for them, like within their close orbit. And I just, I don't think it's, we've proven so far, you know, what are we going to be a half a million dead by summer? Like you got to, something's got to change in order to get to the other side of this. And yeah, with the pandemic, especially, but you just got to remember too, a half a million dead in a year is not unusual for humans. I mean, millions of people die every year i mean it's not it's not unusual um and you know i the, the pandemic thing just hurts me I, I where's all the flu deaths this year where's all the pneumonia deaths this year they're all listed yeah, as covid I, they're all listed as covid deaths i mean i just don't know what to think about this anymore man i don't i truly don't think i truly believe there's like a virus because there's a flu i've had the flu i know that i mean i had it in february um but i definitely think it was politicized for this election and um, as, as something's not right. I don't think we all need to be sitting in our houses. I definitely don't think we need to be sitting in our houses. Well, and, and more than anything, what, you know, regardless of any of that being right or wrong, I think that when you say that it's been politicized, like that, going back to the tribalism is what I'm talking about, right? Right, sure. Even if you have somebody, even if you have somebody who gets right in your face, like you said a little while ago with evidence or whatever, if somebody comes and says, you know, there is a virus, this is what's happening. I think that a lot of us are so caught up in that my side or your side thing that we are not Absolutely. prepared to listen to it. And like, right. that's scary. You know what I that's mean? Like scary. That's, 
that's when you say, you know, something's not right, something's off. I think a lot of people feel that. And one of the things that I, I don't understand and that, that I that I myself am grappling with, with the way I feel and with, you know, family members and close friends who feel the same way or feel different ways that I don't understand is is how how quickly we go from, okay, I'm a free thinker. Okay, I'm willing to look at these things and analyze the, the stuff that's before me. How quickly we retreat from that when it becomes confusing and just say, okay, well, I'm a Democrat, so I'm gonna do this. Or, okay, well, I'm a Republican, so I'm gonna do this. Yep. And it is, it's very much a part of our instinct. It's very much a part of our nature. And you know whether that's always gonna be there or not, it's, it's wild to think about how far at the forefront it is right now. Um, yeah, I, I agree with what you said there. Like, oh, I, I'm a Democrat. I'm a Republican. Why is it like all the Republicans seem to be anti-maskers and all the Democrats seem to all of a sudden be huge virtue signalers? You know what I mean? Um, I don't ever remember it being in there. I remember most Democrats being fucked the government, fucked a lot. Now, all of a sudden, oh, my God, just do what they say. Just do what they say. It's so weird how things back. back I mean, I guess one time the Republican Party was actually the Democratic Party. It's things are always going to flip up. That's the tribalism. They're always OK. We have two warring factions. Now they're getting along. Make another one now. Let's get another one. We need to keep the war going. We need to keep something to keep fighting about. You know what I mean? Uh, we have Democrats and Republicans. We finally came. To, we finally got Biden in office and everything's mellowing down. Nope. We need to start a third party. Trump's Patriot Party. We got to keep shaking shit up. We got to keep fucking the fight going. And that's I mean, that's why I don't think the fight will ever end. The fighting and fighting wars. None of that's ever going to end. It's never going to end. Uh, it's just. It's because of tribalism, street gangs, all the way up to government. It's tribalism. It, it is. It is super fun to talk to you about this mm -hmm. stuff, specifically as somebody who's been reading your lyrics for the last like, fuck, how twenty years has it been? How long have you been? Fuck, sixteen. Sixteen years. Yeah, like that. So, like you, you very much are tapped into, you know for better or for worse, the state of the world. And I, I think that that the way that that manifests in the music that you create. Uh, has been a really big, big influence on me and has been a big part of my life. I want to thank you for you're, it. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for those words, man. I appreciate that. Most definitely. Um, I do appreciate that. And I think you just have to be the change you want to be. And that's why we put out this fucking podcast to try to get people to listen to death metal and take yeah, care dude. of themselves and breathe and do yoga and eat right and chill the fuck out, then the world would be a better place. So this is me as a younger person just trying to do what I think is right for the world because I think the system's fucked no matter which way you look at it. And no matter which way, man, it's 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 all meant to hurt us in. You know, there's a very small amount of people at the top running, pulling the strings, and then there's all of us. And if they can keep all of this in control, then this then this little bit just, just stays on top, man. And that's, that's what they want, you know? Yeah. Um, and I like I said, like I said, even the stock market, if, if Robin Hood was really all about robbing from the rich to give to the poor, they wouldn't have put a kibosh on those fucking stocks. They would have been like, yes, this is what the site's all about. But no, that's not how capitalism works. It's not. It's not how capital capitalism only works when you're on top. That's it. <laughs> I, I found myself this morning like, and I, you know, I I try not to. I try not to let the state of the world fuck with me too much because I got enough of my own shit going on. For sure. But with this, with this stock market shit over the last 24 hours, I find myself like thinking really horrible shit thinking like, man, 
I hope that this is as damaging and ruinous and fucking chaotic as it can possibly be. Because maybe, maybe if if it comes to the forefront, just how fucking broken the system is, we can get to whatever's on the other side of it. Now it's, it, it's broken, and this is yeah. showing that it's broken. This right here, if this isn't opening people's eyes right now more than a lot of things in the past year, this should be opening Americans' eyes right now, because when when the stocks are not for you. They're for the upper echelon. That's it. You know what I mean? And that's what they're trying to, they're trying to show you that right now. Oh, you, you're winning. We'll put the kibosh on that. You're not going to win. We don't want you to be as rich as we are. Cause if you're as rich yeah. as we are, then we're not rich. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's, that's what's scary is that I, I, don't, scary. You know, I don't, I don't think that people's eyes are going to be open to it because something else is going to happen in a couple of days and we'll forget a new variant of COVID. I'm sure. The fucking Memphis version or something. It's <laughs> getting old, man. It's getting fucking old, man. I know. I know. And, and, it, took, and it took like 70 years to come up with a flu vaccination, but we're just supposed to get a vaccination for COVID in eight months. Ooh. All about yeah, that. I, like, I don't, I don't understand it. I'm trying, I'm trying to listen to the people who know better than me. And I'm, me too. I'm trying to. Me too. To, me too. I, but I do have my own, you know, my own opinions and I do. My eyes are not closed. My eyes are definitely not closed. I, I definitely know there's people sick. I know people have been sick. Hell, I think I had COVID in February because I was sicker than I've ever been in my life in February before it was a thing. Yeah, there's um, just there's 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 so much information and there's so much so, misinformation too. Yeah, that and, and that as well, you know. And trying to get to what you can trust and what you can't is a very very difficult thing. That even part you know part of my job is teaching that shit, and I often sure. find myself. I often find myself being like, I don't fucking know. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if, if when you finally do get to like raw, trustworthy data or whatever, that's when you realize like, I don't fucking have the math skills to process this shit. So it's frustrating and it's scary because we have to rely on people to decode that for us. You have to, rely on, people, you have to rely on those, scientists and upper uh, people that are smarter than you. But unfortunately, in capitalist economy, those people are easily swayed by money. So, hey, here you, they here's a couple of. Here's a couple million dollars. I want you to say the exact opposite of what you found out. Boom. You don't think that guy's going to take it? Fuck yeah, he is. <laughs> I mean, well, he's, he's got rent, too. We're all caught up in the same gears, you know? Uh, he's got rent, too. But, uh, you know, he's, he's making sure that even if he gets ousted as a doctor, he's still got oh, millions yeah. to live on. You know what I mean? Oh, so yeah, it doesn't, no, even, it doesn't not, even fucking matter. I know. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying, like, we all, we're all stuck in the same fucking, <laughs> same fucking cycle. Some of us are already fucking several million dollars deep, though, while everybody else just has to crawl around and get whatever we can find. Money corrupts, man. Money corrupts, dude. It just corrupts, man. The more you have, the more you think you're untouchable. I mean, and and I, it's. I think anybody would be fucking poisoned by that. You, me, anybody. Oh, sure. all, of sudden, all of a sudden, one point two billion dollars landed in your lap within a year. You probably you probably have a different attitude. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it, money changes people. Money changes everything. Absolutely, absolutely. And we and we give it the power to do that. And we give it the power. We give it the power, which is really fucked up. We'll see what happens, man. I mean, all I can say is that, you know, I'm not getting any younger. And I don't think there's going to be any significant change in my lifetime. If I got another good 30, 35 years left, I don't think so, man. I think things are going to run exactly. I think conservatives don't want things to change. They don't want any progression. They want things to stay exactly. They want the people making the money, the lobbyists, with everybody. They want it all the same. Same yeah. money, the same cash flow coming in. They don't want nothing to change. And that's why they're so against Democrats and progressives. The progressives want best for the people, 
whereas the GOP just wants the best for themselves. And we all know this. And, and anybody that doesn't know this has to be the fucking blindest person on the planet because, <laughs> I mean, in all honesty, it's, it's in front of your face. Look at the read the news right now. Robin Hood. That's that's the whole white man fucking trying to keep the rest of us down. Is it is a lot to take in. It's a lot to take in, man. I could go on and on and, and I go on oh, different tangents sure. too. Some of my views are liberal, some of my views are conservative. Now, I mean, I'm a liberal about something, I'm a conservative about some things. I think everybody needs to be that way. It can't be white or black. You can't be this or this. There's so much gray area in the middle. You know what I mean? There, and there is and untapped, I, on so much untapped potential and so many untapped ideas in the middle there that they just want to go archaic, conservative laws, Jesus, or completely change your gender and everything. And it, 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 believe in the science, but don't believe in the science when it comes yeah. to genders. It doesn't make any sense. It, well, it's, just, it's just everybody's just spouting out what 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 per, propels their narrative yeah. more you know not about the people i'm talking about even like democrats and even liberals are doing the same fucking thing they're sitting there going oh but this and that oh with the, with the genders you 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 don't trust the gen- uh, science when it comes to genders there's no such thing but the virus is fucking real believe science you know make up your mind which one is it you know what i mean i, I just i mean i'm all for people doing whatever the fuck they want you want to change the gender change it that's fine yeah. but don't deny the science <laughs> yeah, sure. And I, I, I think that one of the one of the things that makes that such a, a tricky thing to navigate That's is, very that, tricky. is that we we love boxes. We love categories. We love hard yeah. lines. Right. Yeah. And instead, like you said, there's all this gray area in the middle, like even for a society that's got, you know, the entire fucking world at their fingertips. Um, or the, you know, all the information in the history of the universe, yeah. we got all of it right here you <laughs> know, in, it. A, in a phone. That's a lot of shit to sort through. And it's, it's it, this goes back to the tribalism thing, right? Like it's easier to just fall in with your people, whether those are people on the right or people on the left or whatever. Um, and we, the way that we process a lot of this through social media now is very performative. And I think that for a lot of people, it, it, gets them to where they want to be a part of something so they can appear as part of something right and that that makes it hard to to look at the things that are in the middle and right. and that that is something that i would love to understand better and maybe and maybe me help too. change you know me too i feel people's virtue signaling is taking over their logic you know what i mean like on either side everybody's just trying to make righteous what they think and it's you know like but you can't do that without hard facts. You know what I mean? I, I totally agree. You know, like when they're, when you watch anytime somebody's interviewing like a Trump supporter, um, you could throw all the facts in their face right there and they sit there staunchly fucking hard face as fuck. I don't care. I don't care. Trump's my guy. I don't care. I don't care. And it's, it goes, it goes with the liberals too. You know what I mean? Oh, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm totally not against trans at all. I'm not, I'm not fucking homophobic. I'm not transphobic. Do what you fucking want. Okay. Do what you fucking want. But don't be on the left bitching about science and the fucking virus and then be a bitching about fucking genders, too. You know what I mean? That's that's just fucking weird. You know what I mean? There's, there's no science when there's genders, but there's science when there's a virus. Which one is it? Is there science or is there not? Yeah, I mean, it, I, no. like I said, change your gender. Do whatever the fuck you want to do that makes you happy as long as you're not hurting anybody. But when you start denying science... Now, well, now you're hurting people. You're hurting science, and science. If you hurt science, you hurt everybody. You know, because now you now you don't want you don't want your science which is filled with empirical facts to now be clouded and polluted with fucking oh well. This time it's okay. 
No, empirical facts are empirical facts. You know what I mean? It's it it is a dizzying amount of shit to try, dizzying. To try dizzying. to process. I just uh, you know I just, all I can say is I just hope everybody just gets on with their lives, no matter what you do, no matter who you are. Get on with your life and just be happy, man. Your life is fucking short. Very, yeah. like I said, at 45, I'm now realizing how fucking short life is. Yeah. <laughs> it is fucking short. It's insanely scary how short it is. Yeah. And you're, wasting, and you're wasting your time arguing about this petty shit. You're wasting your time arguing about this petty shit, man. You need hopefully. to be with your families and your friends. Yeah. And you need to be happy. You know, not out there screaming with signs, screaming at fucking people and stuff like that. That's just, you're not getting anywhere with that. Well, and hopefully we're turning a corner right now. and Not, not right now, obviously, but hopefully we are approaching some something in the near future to where we can get to a point where communication becomes a little bit more open. And hopefully we've all fucking learned something from all of this like that. Hopefully, but you know. You know, fucked up thing is with social media, communication is more prevalent than ever. We can communicate like that. Yeah. I don't think it's a communication issue. I just think it's 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 people's pride. It's pride. It's people they get stuck at like the QAnoners, you know what I mean? The pride is so fucking strong that even though everything they've fucking believed has been dispelled, they're still in it. <laughs> that's 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 then that's sick. Yeah, like that's, <laughs> that's why but that's that's the that's what a lot of us in the West, you know, have been taught to 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 think. You know, if you if you were raised in religion, if you were raised in the church, a lot of a lot of belief and a lot of faith is is continuing with that shit in spite of the fact that it doesn't appear to be accurate. And that's that's a whole other fucking topic, religion. Oh, I know, I know. And, and you know, don't get I, me started. Don't get me started. <laughs> I, I've, I I see some of the shit you post on Instagram, and you and I are pretty much in the same boat. But um, I do think I do think that whether whether you agree with that or not, and I'll just come right out and say I I don't. Um, I do think. I do think that learning to understand the the way that that kind of getting the way that that understanding of the world affects the way that you understand everything else of the world is something that's really that I think that a lot of us are overlooking right now. Big time. Uh, like you specifically with the QAnon shit or with conspiracy sh- with conspiracy theory shit, right? A lot of the way that people process that stuff mimics the way that we're taught to to believe that we're that we're indoctrinated into faith. You know what I mean? identical Um, identical and and that that is something that i fear (laughs) but at the same time it's something that i i feel like we need to understand um because that's that's what's going to eventually change people's minds it's not punking them out on tv it's not telling them that they're full of shit it's not fucking punching them in the face or anything like that like don't get me wrong there's motherfuckers out there who need to be knocked out there's people out there who need to be corrected but at the same time it's changing the minds of the people whose minds that you can change that's going to lead to the kind of the kind of social revelations that you and I sure. are talking about right now. Sure. And you're right, too. D- d- doing it online and stuff like that, that's when it really hits their pride. That's when they can't back down. They can't show weakness. You know what I mean? Um, one-on-one talking to one of these guys, you can get through a little bit. You know what I mean? Sure. Because the pride isn't being you know hurt so much because nobody's around to hear it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's at least um, more likely. Pride, you know, that's just another thing. Man, these topics are great. I can go on about pride too. You know, pride is one of the worst things that one can have. And all you're ever taught, all your life is just be proud, have pride, stand up, be proud. Be proud of what? What? <laughs> what? I mean, that's it separates <laughs> you from the people around you. What are you supposed to be proud of, though? That you're white? 
that your group in America, yeah, you had nothing to do with that. <laughs> yeah, you know, no, I mean? I'll, I, never, I'll never understand pride either. You should be proud of accomplishments. You know, I mean, it, I'll never, I'll, I'll never understand white pride. I'll never understand black pride. I'll never understand pride for skin color or nationality ever because you had nothing to do with that. How can you be proud of something you didn't have nothing to do with? <laughs> I mean, I, of those above us that control the whole thing anyway is the, the whole idea of teams and pride as they want us to identify with, with another person or with another right. thing. And they don't want us to realize that we're all on the same team. Right. Tribalism. That, that is the only way that anything gets fixed. And as a younger person, I have, you know, younger sisters and stuff. And um, yeah, I do have hope because they talking to them, they do see whether it's the through the internet or, or whatever, the veil to be lifted and they see that the, the two teams are bullshit, the left and the right are bullshit. There's so much in the middle that we don't give credit to. And that's on purpose. They don't give credit to anything in the middle. A third party candidate's not going to win. That's on fucking purpose, right? So, and I do think that young people are starting to see that and the collective consciousness is coming together that uh, totally. we're, all, we're all the same team. And that's the only way that anything's going to get changed as soon as we realize that shit. You're, you nailed it right there. It's always constantly trying to separate and divide us and make us into little tribes. You know what I mean? Well, here's the essentials. Here's the non-essentials. Here's the blacks. Here's the heroes. Here's, you know, separate, 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 separate. And that's all, and all, that's all it ever does. And every fucking side is guilty of it. Every side, the left and the right are both guilty of the separation. And it's it's time that the, I'm a leftist. It's time the left starts fucking st- putting their foot down and be like, we're, we're we're part of this problem too. All right. <laughs> yeah, of course. You know I, what yeah, I mean? and I I think that accepting part of that burden is is very important. It's definitely gonna sort of orient the way that we move forward. But at the same time, when we when we talk about you know pride, for instance, you know pride in skin color, pride in sexual orientation, pride in gender, I don't necessarily. Um, um, what I try to do is not necessarily look at those things from the outside as it, from, from, from a place that I can't understand and, and condemn it, right? Because it, it is easy for me as a white, straight, cisgendered, heteroseducated you know, man to be able to say, okay, I look, I look at these other groups who are different than me and I see that they... Um, have you know that maybe they cling to an idea like pride or something in a in a way that I maybe don't think about for myself. But what I what I try not to do is is look at that as something that I can get into their shoes and understand their need for it when I can't. I don't think you know what I mean. I, I understand. I understand. But the needing of pride, I just think it just it it. It, it's going to escalate. Next thing you know, you're going to need this and then this and then this. And that's what pride, pride goeth before it falls. What the fucking Bible said. And I don't even believe in the Bible, but it's the truth. The more pride you have, it just keeps going up and eventually gotta go down. So, yeah. it, it, and if we just treat each other equally, we wouldn't have this pride problem and nobody would ever have to come down, but nobody's ever going to treat each other equally. Yeah. That's the thing. And that would be great if we, if we all treated each other equally. It's it never going to happen. That, never going to happen. The, the need exactly and that that to me is the is the need for pride is the need for people to be able to say I guess. you know if you if you are part of a if you're part of a, a demographic or if you're part of a, a group of people who has just been continuously shit on by people in power for generations and generations um whatever it is that you need to do to get yourself to feel like you belong and to feel like you deserve a piece of this world that they're trying to take from you 
if you want to call that pride, I say go for it. If you, you know, and like you said, as long as you're not hurting somebody you're else, right. because I, you're absolutely right. I think, you're absolutely right. I think that I think that a lot of times, I think that a lot of times when, like for instance, you you said something about black pride a little while ago, and I'm not saying that this is what you think, but I think that a lot of times because we are raised in a very polarizing society and because we like boxes and we like sides so much, right. a lot of times when someone, especially somebody who is not very, who doesn't come from a more progressive background and who maybe isn't as in touch with the world as some other people, when they hear something like that, that's, that's pride in something that they are not or pride in something that they, um, that they don't I identify with, like what that does is, is they, they automatically assume that pride in one thing means right. like, the detriment of something else and like right. that's not like but that's, feminism, that's that's the assumption for instance right that's when the assumption someone, that's hurting things though because when people make those assumptions they separate and they get angry you know yeah, what i mean and that's and, and again like that's it's it's a it's a continuous cycle that i don't know how to break but at the for same sure. time like i w w i want to hope for a world in which we can value each other yeah, equally for sure. For sure. i don't i don't necessarily I don't know that that's going to happen in my lifetime, um, but I do. I do know that if there is anything that I can do to make somebody who's different than me feel like they belong, or anything that I can let go of to make right. somebody feel like they like they belong, or like they are worth something that the system or society or whoever has convinced them that they're not, I want to try and do that. For sure, I, I totally, I totally agree with you. I try to, I treat, I treat people good. I mean, I have friends of all walks of life and I treat them all the same. You know what I mean? And as long as, you know, as long as they treat me good, I treat them good. And that's, I mean, you know, treat people also how you want to be treated. That's, a, I mean, that's a simple, that's a simple mantra. You can't get more simple than that. If you don't want to be treated like an asshole, don't treat people like an asshole. And I don't treat people like an asshole. I don't care what race, color, sexual gender, or anything. I don't treat anybody like shit. I'll, I'll welcome you right in until you give me a reason to treat you like shit. And one of those reasons is not your skin color, your gender anything like that. That's not a reason to treat somebody like shit. I, I totally agree. You know, um, I mean, I'm, I, I, I'm not going to try to like you, I'm not going to try to sit here and pretend like I know everything or have the answers for everything or what these kids are thinking or what I I'm not, I'm definitely not black. So I have no idea what it feels like to be in that position. I'm not uh, struggling with my gender identity. So I have no idea what that must feel like. It can't feel good. And I feel sorry for these people to, to the, for the most part, but as long as they can come out the other side happy, productive, then I don't give a fuck what you do. You know what I mean? As long as you're not, you know, as long as you're not hurting anybody and as long as you're staying happy and as long as you're productive, you know? Yes. I, and I, I agree. I just, I also think that sometimes it's going to take a push from people who are on a little bit more steady ground, like you and me um, in our identities or whatever, you know what I mean? Like sometimes that advocacy from people like us is what's going to get them to a place where they can be sure. happy. And I want to, I want to try and give that however I can. Absolutely. I, you know, this, dude, this has been like a really good conversation. I want to thank you so much yeah. for coming on and talking with us about all this stuff. Yeah. Because Sorry. We, I get fired up sometimes. Sorry. No, dude, no, for, for real. Like it's, we, we, we are all about honesty on this podcast and we're all about like open communication. And one of the things that we like doing is like, and, and hopefully you like it too, is not necessarily having to talk about like, you know, you have 15 minutes to talk about a new record that's coming out or whatever. Like we can go other places. We can talk about other things and getting the chance to do that with you has been a lot of fun, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Sure. I appreciate that, man. It's been a great time. So and we so let's get to the most important question that we'll ask all this time. We always end with this question, Jimmy. 
And we got to ask you, man, what is your favorite Black Sabbath record? Yeah. You can take your time. You can sit with that. Woo! Okay. No pressure. Man. Yeah. You know, this is, those are loaded questions. Like when I see those things on like Facebook where they have like two yeah. albums and it says pick one. And, and and I see all these comments and everybody's picking one. I'm like, and in my brain, I'm sitting there going like, how could you just pick one? In, in what world do we live in where you just have to pick one? Take them, take them both. Take them both. Fuck it. <laughs> I like your attitude already. Um, oh. I, I love Black Sabbath, man. Uh, volume four, man. Oh my God, what a great album. Yeah. Uh, that's probably my, that's my favorite Ozzy one, but my favorite Black Sabbath album of all time is Born Again. Nice. Interesting. That's the, that's the second Born Again answer we've got. You know who uh, said Born Again is John McKenty of Incantation. Yes, I don't. I don't doubt. That. I've known John for thirty years. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't doubt that at all. Yeah, we we're all cut from the same cloth. Born, um, and unfortunately, as much of a legend as Ozzy is, the man can't sing for shit. Sure, uh, <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's sure. I mean, I love Ozzy Osbourne. I love all old Black Sabbath yeah. at first, but the man can't sing for shit. Now put a guy like Ian Gillen on the fucking vocals. Holy fucking shit, that man can sing, dude. Yeah, and, and it took him. Took him in a whole different direction. I oh, think. born again! Yeah. I, I just thought born again was just the most creative, ambitious thing they'd done in such a long time. You know what I mean? And it was the heavy vocals, too. the production—it was heavy as shit. The production was really like ahead of its time, like weird, like necro kind of sound. I mean, just really—it's just a really interesting album, man. And it, Bill Ward's on it, which is sick. What's that now? Is it Bill? Doesn't Bill Ward drum on that record? He is on it. Oh, yeah, the only the, record. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, thing, I love when I love Bill Ward. I love when they when they have him on records. It's it's great, especially absolutely the later part of their career when they didn't. Yeah, that's a special record, man. So I would say Ozzy Wise Volume Four, and then yeah. all all around Sabbath, I'd say Born Again. Love that answer. quality choices, man. Fantastic. This is good shit. You're you're great, man. Thank you. Uh, so Ozzy's got to be pushing like seventy five. He's as old as my mom, so. He's going to yeah, be pushing yeah. 75 this year, man. I got a feeling uh, we got to keep Ozzy in our prayers. I think we do. We're, we're all going to send Ozzy good vibes and hope that he fucking keeps it going, man. I don't, don't want to live in a world without him. I don't understand how he's still alive to begin with, but <laughs> I know, right? Like I look, I look at the fucking dope that I did for like 10 oh. years in my youth and I look at the fucking damage that it did to me. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, right. how the fuck is this dude still alive? <laughs> I don't get it, man. I mean, I guess money. Once again, money. You know, if you got money, yeah, that's true. I mean, that you could buy the best healthcare in the world. Yeah. Best healthcare in the world. Yeah, he definitely did. Very that. true. Well, Jimmy, man, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we hope to maybe get a chance to talk to you again. We are definitely looking forward to the new Jungle Rock record. Big fans yeah. of your work. Uh, anytime, anytime you want to talk, let me know. For sure, man. We'll I hope touch, the corner bro. turns, and I hope that you guys get to get back out on the road ASAP. Thank you. I, I, I'm hoping so too, man. I, I'm lost a lot of money this year. <laughs> I need to make some money next year. We're rallying our fingers crossed, man. Front row, bro. Absolutely. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate you having me. Take it easy, man. Have a good one. Cheers, guys. Cheers, man. The shit. Big-hearted motherfucker. I, I was a Jungle Rock fan before this. Now I'm about to get a jungle rot chest tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, you know, like I, that's probably the most honest and upfront conversation I've ever had with somebody that I really look up to as an artist. 
And yeah, I just loved that. Loved hanging out with that dude. Yeah, like I, you know, there, there, there are some things that we, if we were to talk more about them, maybe we wouldn't necessarily see eye to eye on. But it is that's cool. Yeah, yeah. To me, like it is, it is refreshing to sort of get to see the more unfiltered version of somebody because I feel like a lot of times it's social media performances, interviews, whatever, you know, they've got a face that they kind of have to put on and, but, but, but Jimmy jungle rot is real as a motherfucker comes. So that's pretty tight. You know, I, when I'm that age, I want to be the grandpa that plays a bass, plays bass in a death metal band that smokes yeah. cigarettes, does yoga and is on the keto diet. There you go. That's, that's what I want to be. That dude's my motherfucker, bro. That's something to look forward to. Right. That was that was special, man. All these are sweet, man. Can't appreciate you enough, bro. Same to you, my man. We will be talking to each other soon. You have a good one, all right? Very soon. See you Saturday. All right. Peace Bullshit. out. Bye, my man.